Welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. We did it, man. We survived. We survived 2020. That's We're here in 2021, still alive. And still talking about 2020 movies. Yeah, we haven't just left 2020 yet, but now we are physically in 2021, and it feels great. I know. I'm hoping this is a fresh start, although nothing's technically changed. It's just nice to have have the comfort blanket of saying it's a new year. Yeah, exactly. And being able to be like, yes, no longer 2020, even though everything we're still dealing with from 2020 is oh, still happening. Yeah, it's transferred over. But we're now we're hopeful that it's on the... It's on the uh, end of it we're hopefully getting closer to the end than we were at the beginning of it it's like technically the same but the vibes are a bit better so it's changed a bit it's like it's like um it's like a really bad drug trip yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the only way i can think of describing it because it's horrible for majority of it but then when you're coming down then uh you know that it's coming to an end yeah so this is being hopeful that it comes to an end and doesn't like hit round two of crazy drug trip and we're just gone again yeah keeping the fingers crossed yeah but we'll we'll see how was the future has to hold yeah how was your how was your new year and your christmas with your family man it was good i had family christmas uh it was a great time um we had some of our family over because some of them live close but others stayed home uh to stay distance and everything because we are at the limit of 10 people for gatherings um, and so we had some of our family over and we FaceTime with some of them and, uh, I got to see pretty much everyone I'd usually see, uh, which was nice. And we did all like the classic Christmas rituals, even though we didn't have my whole family there, but it was still a good time. And I got some great things for Christmas, but I've slowly started to realize, not slowly, I already know this. Let's be honest. I'm an old man when it comes to presents. I got slippers this year. I got a toolkit that I was really excited about because, honestly, I've got those drills and stuff for, like, the next couple of years if I take good care of them or even the rest of my life. Um, and so I've realized that I like I like presents that come with some functionality, some utility. Um, I got shelves, too. Nice. <laughs> Most people will be like, I got this new thing. I got the new PS4. And I'm like, I got shelves. And tools. <laughs> and tools. And some slippers. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like when you hit 19 or 20, Christmas gets a lot more practical. Which I, I personally like. I like getting gifts that are practical and that I'm going to use and that I know I'll get good use out of them. Um, and so, honestly, I'm happy with a lot of the stuff I got. It was great. Yeah. How was your Christmas and New Year's? It was pretty good. Pretty much the same thing with you where, you know, 10-person limit. But my family that live in the immediate area who like mm-hmm. live in Nova Scotia – pretty much around that number anyway so yeah. i think we got to really we got to have everyone which was which was great and i i feel sorrow for everybody who had to do you know facetime uh christmas and stuff but, yeah but it was it was nice to be able to see everyone and and i watched a lot of movies with the rents mm-hmm. and uh and that was awesome we watched ugh, wonder woman 1984 mm-hmm. that's a di- that's a different discussion that is a different discussion but it will be happening we yeah. are gonna have that discussion yeah uh, but I got, you know, I got like crazy sound system out for our living room for yeah, TV, which, which is, is awesome. Great for our movie watching. Yeah. Uh, got Grogu, who's sitting right next to us watching little, us. Little boy Grogu. Little Grogu. Our man. And got like a home home mini bar and just, you know, a mm-hmm. couple. It was a smaller Christmas this year and that's completely okay with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great. And mm-hmm. the New Year's was, was pretty awesome. It's nice to be able to finally say 2021. It's 2021. We're here. But. We made it. 
to linger in the uh, in the previous year a bit mm-hmm. longer. This episode is going to be centered around our top fives of 2020. Yep, our top five list, and with a couple honorable mentions as well. But we we did our best to look at all the movies that came out this year um, and really funnel it down into what our top fives were. We have a lot of similar ones, but also some differences. So yeah. We'll see where this takes us. Our, our top five is is pretty similar, but when we get yeah. into the honorable mentions, there's a a bit different of a discussion yeah. going on there. Um, but to start off, I'll start uh, at I think both of our number fives, which is Lovers Rock, or is yours different? Mine is also Lovers Rock. Okay, yeah. we both have Lovers Rock. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Lovers Rock is part of the Small Axe Collection. Uh, it's a collection of I believe four short films. Five. Five short films. And not um, short, actually. A, lo- a couple of them are. Are they full. like all an hour? Some of them are an mm-hmm. hour, and then Mangrove is like two hours and like. Oh 10 really? Minutes. Yeah. So it's it's weird. A uh, bunch of films all put together bunch into one collection, and it's directed all by Steve McQueen. Um, and yeah, this movie is so much fun. We don't. Want, we're gonna try and keep all these spoiler free, and it'd be more of like, here's our top movies of 2020. And check them out if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this this movie is like a blast. Um, it totally encapsulates house parties and makes me miss house parties so badly yeah like it's this it's pretty much an evening at a house party um i don't really know exactly when the time is set for this movie it's the mid 80s the mid 80s yeah and so it's all set in um london area somewhere in the uk and essentially uh it's this coming together of a community of uh, there was at the at this time in the UK there was like a weird community of a mix of uh, Jamaican accents and English accents and it was this huge is this little melting pot of like I, I feel like there's a there's a word to describe what I'm trying to say I but, feel you though like melting pot of, of culture coming together yeah sort of exactly thing. and yeah. so um it's really cool because a lot of the people uh in this movie have this very interesting and i i absolutely love this dialect i could never do it i don't think but i'm so interested in how uh, it's all mashed together it's this mix of like jamaican and british and it's just mashed together in this way that's very unique and interesting um but the greatest part of the movie is the music um, because it's all this Jamaican soul, like R and B funk stuff, and um, it's just the a- atmosphere of this house party that makes it so much better. I, I think that the needle drop of Silly Games is like. I'm not gonna. Even try I wish that. I could try. I wish I could hit that note. I've tried for the, the last month. Now. Look up the song "Silly Games" by Janet Someone. Janet K. Janet K. Uh, crazy song. It's in the movie. Uh, insane high note in there. Yeah, but. I I really love the way that this movie follows. You know, like you said, a single evening yeah. at, a, at a house party, and there's no like grand plot. There's nothing like crazy happening. It's just people at a party having fun, set amongst like the backdrop of of violence and you know the some of the racism that, and it's all very like mildly hinted at in this one. Yeah. Um, but just set against a backdrop where it's people coming together set against the backdrop of time where mm-hmm. people want that not to be okay. Yeah, know? exactly. Like there's th- there's a couple scenes with there's white dudes staring at them weird when they're just enjoying white a party. White posh boys. And cops driving around past the party over and over. So it's like this, mm-hmm. this sense of, of violence outside of the party. Yeah. But mainly the movie is just this communal gathering, and it's, and it's mm-hmm. just so great. It makes me 
miss parties so much. So man. much. I mean, it's the, I think one of the coolest things that I personally love about this movie um, is the music because uh, as a child, I did a lot of I did a lot of dancing, and one of the things that I did was hip hop and b boy stuff. Um, and I remember learning about some of the culture behind that. And the having like how they set up this house party with just there's a DJ and he's got two record players and he's playing a record on one and he starts another one and it's mm-hmm. just like he's DJing the entire thing. It reminds me of that because they used to um, essentially what would happen is it's uh, in the break of a song when uh, a song kind of has a bit of an instrumental section or something. DJs used to take the, that break and. Uh, they would have the same record on both things, and so they would know where the break is, and they'd start it on one, and once the break was over on one, they'd start it on the second one, and they'd put the other one back, and so it was like it was like this loop of a break in a song where these b-boy people could dance. Um, and so it's, like, this movie reminds me of that so much because you've got the DJ, like, saying whatever he wants, like, having a good time, chilling out, like, uh, it's great, and... Yeah. Um, even when the music stops during uh, Silly Games and the people in the room are singing it, uh, it's just such a moment of getting lost in the music. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a huge part of this movie, too, is being lost in the music and the spirituality that music can sometimes have on people. Yeah, that is definitely, like, the biggest thing, too, is just, like, how how lost you can get in these, in these moments and, like, the vibes of, like, parties when everything is, like, great. Yeah. And, yeah, I think... The fact that this movie is able to make 70 minutes, it is on the shorter side. So if you're looking for a short movie, this movie is not even an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that it's able to make 70 minutes straight of just people listening to music and partying, like, it's so engaging. Like, it's yeah. so so well done, and it's very impressive. Uh, definitely a great movie. You should check out Lover's Rock if you Plus, haven't seen it. oh my goodness, the costumes in it too? Yeah. Sick. Like, there's a guy who's, like, fully suited up in, like, a white suit and... Oh, it looks so cool. And the the bouncer. The bouncer looks so awesome, too. Yeah, man. He's just this, like, huge hulking dude. It's awesome. This is also, like, a, a cast of unknowns, right? Like, yeah. Nobody in this movie has really been in stuff before, from what I've gathered. And, and they're all great. Like, everybody in this movie, like, holds that attention on the screen so well. And I thought I, I, thought I remembered the main actress from something. I, I wasn't familiar with her, but she was very good. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's our combined five is uh, Lovers Rock. So check that out. I believe it's on it's on Amazon Prime Amazon along Prime. with the whole Small Axe series. Yeah, so check those out because they're all great movies. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do your number four right now or me? You go for it because I started the number five even though it's the same one. Go for it. Okay. Number four. My number four is Sound of Metal by Darius Martyr. Mm. This is a very painful movie. Uh, it's 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 heartbreaking and it's it's a journey of of loss and acceptance of loss and and Riz Ahmed is the main actor in it um he's been in stuff before like Nightcrawler and he's the villain in Venom not that that matters compared to the work he's doing here oh uh, what are you talking about this is his greatest role <laughs> it's the villain in Venom he deserves all the praise for this performance because the amount of emotions that he goes through and and so much of it is displayed with just his face and a lot of the actors are displaying their emotion with pretty much just their face Mm-hmm. Once, once he loses his hearing and he has to communicate with sign language and stuff, it's a very quiet, somber movie, but it, it's hopeful. You know what I mean? Like it's it's heartbreaking, yeah. but at the same point in time, it's this it's this man's. It's mainly about the acceptance of loss, mm-hmm. and you you know you take a drummer 
and tell him that his passion for music and everything is gone. Mm-hmm. Like that's like heartbreaking. And as somebody like who loves music and movies in the same way, like if I lost my sight and I wasn't able to engage with movies anymore, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's that, that thing you care most about the world being taken from you. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's very upsetting and hard to watch, but it's all delivered with such like just great acting, just powerhouse acting from everyone in this movie. Mm-hmm. So good. I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, I really am excited to see if Riz Ahmed makes it in the Oscars this year for this performance because, yeah, it's it's pretty great. This movie is, is very sad but hopeful, and if you can get down with that, then you'll love it. I It would probably be on my – I'm sure it would be on my top five if I had seen it. Yeah. I didn't watch it, so I can't really say much about it. I would – the sound design in this movie is is crazy. I would have killed to hear this in a movie theater – just with the sound absolutely blaring because the the way it catches like the ringing when mm-hmm. he's when he's losing his hearing and, and the way it's all done it's it's very good it's yeah. a great movie i think you'll really like it when you get the chance to see it i'll have to check it out uh but my number four is mank i put mank in my number four and just Respect. like hollywood i'm out here loving them hollywood films um for those of you who don't know this is directed by david fincher uh we've already done a podcast about this movie um, so if you want to check out our deep dive into Mank, you can totally go check that out. Um, but just some of the reasons why I think I put it in my top five and it's at number four is I think it's partially due to this term in school, this past term. I spent a lot of time diving into black and white movies. Um, and so having a movie come out that is all about the creation of one of the greatest uh, like old sound films like ever made uh is it's totally up my wheelhouse at the moment and so watching watching the behind the scenes kind of this obviously it's not all accurate um but watching like hollywood as in the state that it is and like uh hollywood after the great depression or at the end of the great depression is kind of when this this movie's placed right um and so seeing it be like, we have to make these movies that make people feel good and feel happy and great. And then Mank out of nowhere is gets, or not Mank, um, uh, 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 Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I couldn't remember it. Out of nowhere just gets created. I, I love it. And I think, um, I think another reason why it goes on my list is how much detail they like paid attention to when it comes to the sound. Or the visuals, like having it all in black and white, having the sound sound like it's coming from that era, having those uh, like film grain or like the streaks and the black spots on the film show up, super cool. Um, also, really random thing, the reason why those show up in normal films was actually because it was the end of a reel and then the guy who was in the film booth had to put the next reel on. Yeah. Um, in case you didn't know, fun little tidbit. Um, but yeah, I think... I think this movie talks a lot about Mank and who he is as a character, and I love how it's not all about Citizen Kane. It's a lot of it's about Mank and who he is and why he's making this movie um, and the whole process behind it. And so I, I really like this character study of this amazing man who almost went uncredited. Yeah, uh, and his journey and how um, he essentially created the movie that it is today. I mean, he didn't do all the other crazy things that maybe Orson Welles did because the whole debate's still up in the air. Yeah. Um, But I I really do love this rendition 
that we get to see of what the story uh, one example of what the story could be um plus i mean i always like gary oldman yeah, gary so, oldman is the, the goat man he's, he's great in this movie he's amazing he's always great and mank is a really interesting movie to me uh, be- mainly because of all the stuff that you said where it's so technical mm-hmm. and, and it applies to such a specific audience. Like Fincher is, you know, Hollywood's darling of of right now our generation. Yeah. And he was like, fuck it. I'm making a black and white movie that is meant to emulate the 1940s about Herman J. Mankiewicz, a man that, you know, a lot of people who aren't film, film buffs and uh, big movie fans don't really know. Yeah, I have no idea who he is. And... Uh, I've heard people say, you know, Mank isn't that interesting unless you've seen Citizen Kane, and I can't speak from that mm-hmm. as somebody who saw Citizen Kane before watching Mank. I, I mean, I'm, I would totally agree. I think if you haven't watched Citizen Kane, you watch Mank, you're going to be kind of lost. Right, and that's that's what's so interesting about it is like to make a big budget, or not big, but it's like sixty million. Yeah. Uh, big famous director Netflix movie about such a specific thing that applies to such specific people. And for the people that it works for, they love it. And the people that it doesn't, they don't. But yeah. I, I'm with you. I think Mank was, was fantastic. And I'm really glad we got to see it in the theater. Yeah. It was it was great. We didn't see it. Did we see it in we the did. theater? Yeah, it was the last movie we've seen in the movie theater. Right, right. It was the last one we get to see. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. Um, But yeah, that's I put Mank at number four. I, I'm just like Hollywood. Loving my Hollywood films. Shout out to Mank. I'm excited to see if Amanda Seyfried is is up for, for the Oscars this year, which everybody is pretty much locked in. It's oh, like yeah. she's going to be up there. I don't know why I'm always going back to the Oscars, but now that... out here. It's, we're getting close. Now that we're getting closer, I'm like, okay, this is where the discussion starts to get really interesting. Mm-hmm. About who's going to get what award. Yeah. The the decision of who's going to have the greatest movie of the worst year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm excited for all the jokes about how much this year yeah. sucked. Yeah. I hope whoever's hosting the Oscars comes on stage and says, well, this year sucked, but some of the movies didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to just pick from them. Yeah, and we're just going to decide. No. It, it, in a shitty year, there were some pretty great movies this year, yeah. at, at the least. Um, what do you have for number three? My number three is a movie that a lot of people haven't had the chance to see yet. So I'm going to talk about this from the perspective of somebody who has seen it that doesn't want to you know, take away the experience for mm-hmm. other people. My number three is Minari, directed by Lee Isaac Chung. Mm-hmm. This is the new A24 movie. doesn't come out till February. We got screeners, yep. um, which is so, so great Such to see. Such a blessing. I know. So great to see it early. But it's it's a tender look at a Korean family's pursuit of the American dream in rural Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas? Is it Arkansas? Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. Uh, Fix this for America, me. America, I am Confucian. Have you ever seen this vine? No. Oh, you haven't? No, you've totally seen this vine. It's like, America, I am Confucian. Why do you have Arkansas and uh, and Kansas? <laughs> it's like Arkansas and Kansas. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> okay, I'm going to restart that. Arkansas. Arkansas. It looks like Arkansas. No, Ar- it's not. There's an, is there, an, sauce, there should be a W. Is there no W? There's no W. Oh, wow. I know, right? Makes sense then. Yeah. <laughs> This is a, a tender look at a Korean family's pursuit of the American dream in rural Arkansas during the 1980s. And this is just such a, a special, wholesome movie to me. I, mm-hmm. From the second that that score kicked in at the beginning, I, I knew that this was going to be a movie that I really loved. And and it's just got such a unique ability to make every character and their perspective like so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like you can really 
you feel the struggle of Stephen Young's character Jacob trying to provide for for his family, and you feel the the fear in the wife of this you know not working, and and you feel the confusion and curiosity of of their young son David, and and the same goes for all these characters. Like they're all so incredibly relatable to the point where you can put yourself in their shoes, like. For, mm-hmm. for each character. Yeah. And and there's something really special to me about that. The fact mm-hmm. that this whole family, you you can feel what they're feeling so well. Yeah. And, and the movie even is shot differently with each character. You know, like you can really, with the kid, it, it feels so much more curious. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, with with the father, it feels a little bit more like like hopeful, but also like he's really struggling. You know stubborn. what I mean? Stubborn. Yeah. I found the father is very stubborn. He is, yeah. And Stephen Yun is an actor... I've loved him since I was 12 years old watching The Walking Dead, and he was like my favorite character. And now here he is giving such an incredible performance in Minari, and it's just really great to see that go full circle as somebody who's been a fan of him for so long. Yeah. But yeah, um, Minari is so good. It's got such a unique way of telling this story, and it's it's all grounded in such a, a human feeling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, so, it's so sweet to me, you know? I also, I saw Minari as well. Um... And I, I, I liked it. I didn't like it as much as Hayden did. Um, I think I do like the characters a lot in this movie, and um, especially the grandmother. She's a very interesting story arc mm-hmm. she um, is as like... a character because I'm pretty sure I started out hating her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that quickly changed. And so I think I think one of the coolest things about this movie is, like you were saying, the different perspectives you get to see and how you can you can relate to all of them. Um, but there isn't like one sole perspective that is leading this movie. It's through so many other people and all the other people and the members of the family's eyes, except for the daughter. Yeah. Doesn't get much screen time. I did notice that. I found that a bit She gets neglected. She is the neglected one of the household. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I feel like this is one that people are going to hear a lot about, uh, in the coming, in the coming months because this is not out yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it reminds me, and they're not related at all, but, and there's really very little similarities, but tone wise, this movie really reminded me of like the Florida project mm. where, you know, it's an emotional movie and there's, it's, it's sad at parts and stuff, but it's all grounded in the sense of like hopefulness and it's very, and it's very sweet, you know? You know what this movie reminded me of, um, is, in a, in a in a similar storytelling way of parasite where okay. we get a different where we get a different view from every family member yes it's one it's kind of more like one cohesive story but the reason why paras it reminds me of parasite so much um it is it is because it gives us a glimpse of a family who is struggling in the like big real world like the family in parasite are struggling just to live and so is this other family too. Mm-hmm. It's it was the dad's decision to move out and get a farm, but he never realized how. I don't think he ever realized how um, tough it would be, right? And how and what other struggles he would have to face, um, thinking that he can do it on his own, right? And get everything done on his own. And same thing with the father in Parasite, where they're like, "We will look after ourselves," that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I and see so I see from. it in that way because. Um, it's it's another like family struggling and trying to live their lives the way they want to in this huge world that just wants to swallow them up whole. Yeah. Um and so I see it a lot in the dad because the dad is he's less of trying to give that uh world to his entire family. 
is more in it for himself. Um, and I see it in the child too, where the child um, is wants to live his life, but he has things holding him back that can't that doesn't allow him to live his life. And I see it in the grandmother uh, where she is living her life, and then something starts to hold her back. I don't want to give anything too much away. Right, right. Um, but they're all they're all these people trying to live their lives in this big hustle and bustle world, and trying not to get like just pushed aside. Yeah. And so I, that's where I see the similarities in that. I do also see your similarities, though. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, mainly just I, I'm always a sucker for movies that just feel very human, you know, where the mm-hmm. script um, just feels like dialogue of people. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like a movie script. It just feels like people just trying to get by or people doing like meeting new people and just interactions. And that's always something that I really love in movies. And I think that this handles it with, with such a tenderness and compassion to the mm. subjects that it's addressing. And... Yeah, I lo- I loved Minari. I thought it was was pretty fantastic. So that's my number three. Yeah, um, my number three is not Minari. My number three is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I take it away, Ma. Take it away, Ma. Um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We talked about this on another episode too. So if you really want to hear us dive into that, check out our episode. I believe it was our last episode. Uh, yeah, I think it was the last episode where we did Mando and Ma. Um, but this, this movie's directed by George C. Wolf, and I also didn't realize it's partially produced by Denzel Washington. I feel like you may have said that to me, um, but I, I was just, saw that in my research, and I was like, oh, cool. Um. Minari was produced by Brad Pitt. What? Yeah. But wow. I just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you said that, I had to chime back to the last one. Weird. It's very weird, yeah. all the big actors producing stuff, but continue. Um, but in, in Ma Rainey, I have to say, right off the bat, Chadwick and viola oh yeah oh wow holy crap those performances like <laughs> it it took me away like it took my breath away like chadwick uh his performance as levy amazing phenomenal like him finally breaking through that door um at, at in the in that scene where he breaks through that door in the basement and like uh his intense monologues and all this stuff Oh, such a powerful character. And Ma, even though she's not in it for a lot of the movie, she holds it down in every single scene she's in. She is the center of attention in every single scene, even if all the other characters are there. Even if Levy, who we feel like is our main character, is there, it's Ma's stage. That's, like, Ma is taking control. That's a good point, because when I was watching Chadwick, I was, like, super engaged in him, but, like, and nothing's going to take my attention away from Chadwick. I love him. But, like you said... Whenever Ma's on screen, I realize now looking back, I'm looking at Viola Davis. Yeah, you were looking at Ma because yeah. Ma it takes all the attention. Yeah. Even when they're all recording in the studio, Ma is the one you have your eyes on because anything that happens in the studio goes through Ma. Yeah. And so this this movie uh, is originally a play, um, and I think I think the reason why I'm such a big sucker for it is, A, the performances from all the actors in this movie are outstanding, like amazing. Um and B, I am a sucker for a good play, but I also love how they take these huge, lengthy monologues and these uses of symbolism and the shoes and the door in the basement and all this stuff, and they fit it into this movie so well, and it just works. Like, I, I don't feel like these long monologues are out of place. I was confused at the beginning, but then it, 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 I kind of got used to it, um, and so I think as far as the dialogue goes and all that stuff in this movie outstanding and on top of that the jazz music well not the jazz music this is like blues and soul yeah yeah 
the blues and soul music we get from Ma and just from the atmosphere and the world around us and the band constantly practicing their instruments and we get those like little flavors of the trumpet or uh, the bass player's just having a good time. Slow Drag is his name. Um, it's it's just such a good uh, like blues movie um, where the music really feels real and it feels soulful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like... Uh, I think we mentioned it in the other podcast and sent our roommate Morgan into like a two-day blues craze. Uh, and so th- this movie, I think it I think it encapsulates exactly what the play wanted. I haven't read the play. I do need to read the play now, though, because I'm, re- I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see that come arrive at our doorstep one day soon. Yeah, the copy of the play, and I'm just like, I'm going to read through every little bit of it. Um <laughs> But yeah, this this movie is just full of cool symbolism and very cool monologues, and music is so great. Actors are so great. Like, what more could you want? Plus, I think this is probably Chadwick Boseman's greatest role. Absolutely. Like, without a doubt, Chadwick's finest performance, and heartbreaking too, because I I believe at this point he he knew he was dying. Yeah. When he was filming this, I don't know the exact timeline, so I don't want to speak out of my ass or anything. But, mm-hmm. um, I knew that. Or I know that he was keeping it secret for yeah. for a long time while still working on his career, and and you can just feel a lot of that pain in this performance. Well, I, you can see it. Yeah, like you can you can see he looks not the healthiest. Himself. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it it's very raw when you're watching him on screen. And I I read something about how Viola Davis uh, was told the weight of Ma Rainey, and then mm-hmm. somebody had mentioned like. Oh, well, you know, that doesn't really matter. Like, she's from, like, the 1920s. Nobody really knows what she looks like aside from that one picture. So the weight's not that important. And Viola Davis was like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And she put on the weight, like, actually gained the weight to look more like Ma. Mm -hmm. And and whenever actors do that, I think that's such a commitment to the craft. Yeah. It's it's always impressive. And Viola Davis does not look like herself here. She looks like a completely different person. Yeah, it's insane. Um, And I feel like... She does a really good job at encapsulating Ma being the mother of the blues um, and just really taking that role to a whole nother level um, because just like I said, the power and the presence that she has when she's in a scene, in a room, anything. Mm-hmm. Like even at the, close to the beginning of the movie, um, we see her playing with her band Um and all eyes are on Ma, and then they get taken over to Levy as he does this little solo, and you can tell that Ma does not like that, and I think everyone else in the band can tell it too. And so it's just so cool how um, how well uh, Viola Davis does in this because it's amazing. The both performances amazing. Yeah, fantastic movie, and I'm I'm so glad to see like the reception behind it. You know, notoriously, movie fans don't like just like stage to movie adaptations yeah. all the time because mm-hmm. um, they have to be done right. And I think Ma is a really good example of it being done right mm-hmm. and seeing how uh, the film community has just accepted this and really loved this movie, loved this movie is, mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, that takes us to number two, I believe. I also believe that we share. We the share. Next two. Yeah. We share a number two and a number one. Yeah. Um, so our number two for our top fives of 2020 uh, is another round by Thomas Vinterberg. By Thomas Vinterberg, this movie um, is oh, what's the language? 
Danish. Danish. This movie's in Danish. Um, and it was, I don't think, I don't know how big of an actual theater release it got. I think it was very small. I, I think, you know, it was one of those things where the theater re- release was ruined by COVID. And I think mm-hmm. uh, it premiered at a lot of film festivals earlier in the year, which is how we saw it. Yeah. And then it just released on VOD. Yeah, okay. Unfortunately, because this is a theater movie. Oh my goodness, it's such a theater movie. Like, wow. This movie blew me away. I think going into a film festival that we were just watching a couple films that we wanted to see out of it, and then we watched another round, I think, like, wow. It absolutely blew me away. We also knew, like, very little about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I was just like, hey, the film festival is playing this as its closing night movie. And you were like, all right. Mm -hmm. This movie, it does this really interesting thing where um, it takes a sober look at drinking culture. The point of this movie is it's four teachers who try and experiment where um, for the entirety of the day they have a 0.5 blood alcohol content or a blood alcohol level. In, uh, and essentially what that means is they're a little drunk all throughout the day. Taking like a shot or two at the beginning of, of every day. Exactly. Um, and they learn and experience what it means to be like consciously drunk essentially and living their lives and they take it further and further um uh and yeah that's kind of how the until they've come to a conclusion of their uh of their study experiment is yeah. study um and so i think it's i think it's really cool because after that description a lot of people would probably be like so they're making being a functioning alcoholic look fun and i would say no they don't do that. They they do show you what the life of a functioning alcoholic could be if it was fun all the time. But they also show you what it means when it goes out of control and when yeah. it goes too far and when you don't have the restraint to keep these things at bay. Um, I think it's a perfect example of the line, uh, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Yeah. Because uh, it totally shows you that by showing you the greatness of their experiment and then the the outcome of it 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 handles alcoholism in such a an interesting and unique way it doesn't feel corny at all i feel like no. a, a worse movie would just be like alcohol bad see look they had fun with it and now it's bad yeah and, and dare <laughs> like slams right on that at the end don't drink yeah i feel like a worse movie could have done that but another round doesn't do that it doesn't shy away from from the bad of alcohol it doesn't shy away from the good of alcohol mm-hmm. it shows it all like this movie really shows how good it feels to be drunk and i think yeah. i think so many movies really struggle with that like understanding like what it's like to be properly drunk and enjoying yourself mm-hmm. and and this movie does a good job showing like it, it does not shy away from how how great that can feel and that's that's why i say i think it's really cool that it takes a sober look at being drunk mm-hmm. because a lot of times in movies when we get shots of people being drunk and stuff they also want us to feel drunk but in this movie they don't want us to feel drunk they want us to be an observer of this experiment that is happening exactly and so instead of us being drunk along with the characters even though there are some camera shots that make us feel drunk or what it would be like to be to be them at the moment um for most of it it is a sober look because we are the sober onlookers yeah um and we kind of get to make our own assumptions from their experiment which i think is really cool i think the cast in this is like magnificent mm-hmm. i mean mads mickelson is obviously the he's, standout he's the only care one i know he's the only actor i know in this movie yeah 
So. But with that being said, mm-hmm. the only actor we know, and yes, the standout performance, but the other actors are like holding their ground. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know their names and I, I, I could pull them up, but mm-hmm. they're, they're really great and they all make a lot out of less screen time. Mm-hmm. It, obviously, Mads is our main character and we follow him for a lot of this, but we, we also really get to like these other guys. Yeah. And, and understand what they're going through mm-hmm. while doing this experiment the same way we understand Mads. Yeah. Which is really, really impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that ending, I'm not going to spoil anything at all, but it, it, it's lived rent-free in my head since yep. the ending of September. Mm-hmm. It's been months, and I just can't stop thinking of it. If there is anything you can uh, grasp from this episode is watch another round and watch the final scene because, oh my goodness, you will feel just as much joy as they uh, as they are feeling in that scene yeah. like there is no way that you cannot just have fun with the ending of that i, I re- cannot you cannot sit there idly while these people just have the greatest time of their lives and you're just like ah, i want to be there i remember like looking over at you while the scene was playing and just like kind of jaws dropped even though it's like a very simple scene mm-hmm. both of us were just like such a vibe holy shit it is such a vibe yeah and if you also if you were ever really close to a teacher in high school as you graduated, this is a good movie for you too because it, it also gives you kind of the uh, eyes of the teacher side, which is kind of which is really cool and you get to see how much it means to these teachers to watch their students graduate by the end of the year. Yeah, and so really cool. I think yeah, like you said, if, if there's any takeaway from this little another round discussion like, it's out now. I don't believe it's getting the attention it deserves. Yeah, check it out. Watch please. it. Like, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It is. It would be my number one of the year if it weren't for the next movie yeah, on this list. Like, I agree. It, it, it's maintained that spot for like the last five months, and it only was just dethroned like a couple of days ago. Yeah, it was for me, it was dethroned yesterday. Yeah. I, we watched this yesterday, right? Yeah, the next yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, so that's our number two. Check out another round. Yeah. Uh, but our number one... Our combined number one for 2020, the best movie of 2020, was only available to us in the last days of 2020. I didn't even watch this movie in 2020. And and a lot of people won't get to watch this. Yeah. Like we said with Minari, same sort of thing. We got a screener as well. Mm-hmm. People won't get to see this for a few months, but yeah, this movie. And I know the debate is out um, of... Since it's not technically released in theaters yet, does it count as a 2020 movie or whatever? We, as two individuals, watch this movie in 2020. So we are counting it as a 2020 movie. Yeah. Um, sorry you won't get to see it until 2021, but for us, we watch this in 2020, even though I technically watched it in 2021. Yeah. Our, but, our number one film of 2020 is <gasps> Nomadland. By Chloe Zhao. Ooh, you didn't see that one coming, did you? You've never heard of that movie, have you? Well, we're about to tell you what it is. We're about to tell you all about it, and you can't even watch it. Exactly, sorry. Um, but yeah, Nomadland is a movie directed and written by Chloe Zhao. This movie, wow, absolutely blew me away. I I did not, I barely knew anything going into this movie, um, and I'm so glad I watched it. Like, I feel like I was changed as a person watching this movie. This is by far like the only movie of 2020 to leave me truly speechless. Yeah. Like I, I got the chance to watch this luckily enough at a, at a home theater on a big screen, which mm-hmm. was with all the sound and everything. It was, it was great. 
and and when the credits rolled, my dad looked at me and he was like, "So what'd you think?" And I just didn't even answer him. Mm-hmm. And and there was like another five minutes that went by before I even said anything. Like I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like th- this movie is so transcendent to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's so in its own bubble of like things that have released in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I'm still kind of speechless for it. Like I'm still trying to form my thoughts properly and I'm just kind of rambling through how much I liked it. But uh, essentially Nomadland explores the American West from the perspective of a nomad named Fern as she travels and lives in the back of her van on a journey of exploration, freedom, and humanity after losing everything in the Great Recession. Mm. And uh, I didn't really know much about the Great Recession and I I still don't know a whole lot about it. But Mm -hmm. essentially I think it was just this event that happened in 2011 or 2012 where an entire area code or multiple area codes, I'm not quite sure, pretty much lost everything, right? I, I don't quote me on this. I believe the Great Recession was similar to the Great Depression, but not as crazy huge and impactful Smaller scale. to all of the um, the economy of the states and stuff. Right. Um, I think it was like kind of a smaller scale version of that. Uh, don't quote me on that. I don't know U.S. history. That's okay. We are two Canadians whose only knowledge of the event came from a movie we watched. When this ago. event happened, I was like 10 years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me too. I don't remember a lot from then. Um, but yeah, this is this is a movie I feel like – not I feel like. You're going to hear a lot about this in the next coming months. Yeah. Whether it's when it releases and everybody starts to realize how great it is or when it comes to the Oscars, this is – probably going to be at the forefront of like movies being talked about in the next little bit i hope so me too um francis mcdormand is absolutely just insane in this movie Mm -hmm. she's holding the entire movie not like it's a bad movie without her but she's just holding so much of that emotion and humanity on her shoulders in this yeah and it's it's a very quiet somber movie uh with its score it's very you know slow piano it's Mm -hmm. it's very quiet and just an introspective look at, at people and someone traveling yeah. and, and meeting various people. And yeah, it's just, it's so great. I don't even know what else to say. I think, um, there's a lot of takeaways from this movie too. Like there are so many things you can learn about yourself or things you might want to change about your life. Um, but I think one of the coolest things about this movie that you mentioned to me is there are a lot of the actors in this movie are not actors. Yeah. They're real people. Like they're, they're actual nomads. Yeah, travel. they're real, real traveling nomads. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that is so important in this movie because you can have people write scripts and research and do so many things to make an accurate character who looks and sounds like a nomad, but you cannot get the same. You cannot get the same emotional weight or impact or anything unless you use real people. And I think I think the idea of using actual nomads who have decided to take this journey and travel across the world and uh, live their life out of vans or campers or what have you. Um, It is insane to hear about because in your head you're like, I could never do that. I need a roof over my head. I need a house. Like living in a van, I could never do that. But couldn't you? Isn't that something you could just pick up and do? Like That's totally something that could just happen and that is a normal lifestyle to live. Sure, you don't have a home, but you do have a home. And that's the biggest part about this movie is understanding what home means to you. It might mean a roof over your head, or it could mean a community of people, or it could be a van on the road. Like yeah. There are so many different uh, examples of what home means in this movie, and uh, 
there's so many different examples of people living their lives and not caring about what other people say or people living their lives because they're forced into it and they learn how to adapt to it. There are so many different angles you get from all of these real people and I think that is such a huge part of that movie because without those real people, I don't think I would have felt the same. It, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it adds such a, a layer of authenticity. Yeah. And and it these these stories that they're telling and these emotions that they're feeling, these people have felt this. Like yeah, they this understand. Is their life. Yeah. yeah. And and I think so many uh you know, people could easily be like, That's a sad life. They're homeless. And I think That's not true. They're not homeless. They're not. That's like a theme that comes up repeatedly throughout the movie without spoiling anything, is like, you know, some people feel pity for Fern. Like, oh, yeah. we're so sorry. And she's not like she's doing yeah. okay she's she's you know relatively happy with with where she's at mm-hmm. and um yeah i don't i think this movie has so much to say about about humanity and people mm-hmm. but also it's it's done by taking real people's stories and mm-hmm. real people's emotions and just letting you you feel it yeah and, and it's pretty remarkable and i think another huge thing about this movie too is um just the the timeliness of it like where it's placed and how it's i mean put out now especially right now yeah i mean it's not really out now being soon um the idea of i think another huge thing about this movie and trying not to give away anything too much is the idea of living um and how so many people think they're living but they're not and how there's so much to experience there's so much of the world to discover um and the idea that you don't want to die with a better lack of words um with a boat in your driveway nice uh you'll get that if you watch the movie um and so i think there is so much to be said about that in this movie and this movie is a journey of self-discovery not only for fern but the audience who watches it in my opinion because um like you said, I, I totally start – I'm starting to understand what you mean by movies that you love that uh, are just conversations. Mm-hmm. I think there is a – there's a there are movies that – and there are movies that are great. Um, and what makes them amazing is if they change you. If there is something impactful in a movie that changes you, it can mean so much. And I think the conversations that Fern has with the random characters that she meets – can one of those conversations can change someone mm-hmm. like it can absolutely make them think about so many different things and i so so i think the great thing about this movie and the fact that it's got real people is how real it is and how real it can make you feel as an audience member and how affected you can feel by this movie yeah um because there's just so much to it there with and going back to what you said about um scenes that change people i would say that there's a scene in this movie that I feel did change me. Yeah. Like I, I, and that's, you know, that sense of speechlessness that I came from where I watched this and, and I, I felt like I had learned mm-hmm. about not just myself, but a better understanding of just humans. Yeah. You know, in a sense where I, I don't want to sound stupid, but just like raw emotion. I think, I think, uh, what you're getting at is the idea of, uh, more of like empathy. Yeah, being exactly, able to yes. hear these people's stories and feel what they're feeling um, in a way that is totally new to you, but they have known it for their entire lives. Yeah, all the all the campfire scenes really struck a chord with me, and in mm-hmm. particular, um, one of the final conversations. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Really did a lot to me, and 
I think the biggest takeaway for me of, of this movie is, um, like you said about how this movie came out at the perfect time, mm-hmm. we're all kind of in this state now where, where everybody's really anxious about the future. Yeah. We're really nervous about like, okay, well, like this pandemic's been going on for like a year and a half. Uh, how long is this going to go on? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like people want to make it to the other side of that tunnel. Yeah. And as somebody who's really wanted to travel for years now and actually was putting money in my bank account so I could travel when this pandemic sort of hit, mm-hmm. there's this sense that really resonates with me of like, I, I want to see stuff yeah. and, and I want to live and I want to explore like Fern does. And whether that's, you know, getting on a plane and going to the Bahamas or whether that's living in your own van and exploring, mm-hmm. there's, I think what this movie's saying about um, exploration and self-discovery mm-hmm. is is really resonant right now for people in particular, but also for me. Yeah, and yeah, this movie is absolutely jaw-dropping. Ten out of ten, five stars. Five stars. The first five star of of twenty twenty for me. The no, first and only five star. Yeah, twenty twenty. I'm really excited to have the discussion in a couple months with people about Nomadland. Mm-hmm. And to watch it again, even though I've seen it twice now already. I will watch it again. Like, I will so watch that again. I hope if theaters are able to reopen, mm-hmm. this is still put into theaters. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's our top five for 2020. I mean, there are so many great movies in 2020. I was looking through all of them a couple days ago, when, or yesterday when I was making this list. Um, and there are some amazing movies out there that you should check out um, and in tune with that, we have some honorable mentions that we want that didn't make our top five list, but deserve to be mentioned in this uh, episode. Uh, so I think what we'll do is just hop back back and forth on our movies and yeah, we can do that kind of way. We can kind of you know not have as in depth discussions, obviously, because this yeah. has been like an hour, mm-hmm. but we can kind of just give our brief brief yeah. thoughts on them. We'll just throw a couple out there and be like, here's the other ones. Make making this top five list was actually really hard. It was. Like, now that I'm looking at my honorable mentions, I, I feel like I snubbed some really great movies, but also all the ones in my top five are my favorites. Yeah. So it's like, that's why we had to do this honorable mention. It's like, mm-hmm. it's been some pretty great movies this year, and they, they also deserve to be acknowledged. Yeah, exactly. Do you do you want to start? You start, because then you have five, right? I actually have six. You have six. Well, I only have four, so you start. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll fly through a couple of them. Uh, my number six is Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg, which is a very graphic very violent sci-fi horror film mm. from the son of legendary horror director David Cronenberg, who, who's he's the guy who's really famous for body horror. He did like The Fly with Jeff Goldblum, and mm-hmm. so he's he's the guy who kind of revolutionized gross body shit in horror movies. And Possessor is clearly showing that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because mm. this movie is disgusting, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 so violent, and um just so graphic and but it's also very interesting the way mm-hmm. that it, it it's honestly mainly a sci-fi movie but with these dark violent horror uh, aspects to it and it's just got some really cool um lead performances from all the act- actors it's a really good movie mm-hmm. possessor is nasty and probably like one of the grossest movies i've seen in a long time so if you're interested in that mm-hmm. check it out um to switch off from gross nasty horror I put On the Rocks on here. We already talked about On the Rocks in an episode, um, but I think it deserves to be mentioned again um, because the New York City feel that this movie gives is amazing. 
Uh, I think that was one of our biggest takeaways from it is just how it makes you feel like the hustle and bustle of New York. Um, but I feel like it's also an amazing uh, just little glimpse into someone's life. And uh, we've got a great cast uh, and some really funny moments with Bill Murray. Uh, and so this movie is just a fun time. Um, it's not the greatest thing ever, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought that uh, the characters that we got from this movie were really lovable and memorable. I'm and so. I'm still sad that people didn't really like this movie. I know. I really liked it. I don't, so. I don't know why. Yeah, I think it's it's very memorable to me at least. And mm-hmm. just a very sweet, simple movie mm-hmm. with with great Bill Murray performance and great Rashida Jones performance. It's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's really good. My number five is a documentary that released this year called Feels Good Man mm. about Pepe the Frog. Okay? So hear me <laughs> out. You've told me about this so many times. Dude, this documentary was not... I did not ever expect starting this year to be putting a documentary about Pepe the Frog in my mm-hmm. honorable mentions of favorite movies of the year. But this has so much else that it's doing. Essentially, this character was an innocent internet character that everybody kind of used as a meme, and he was turned into this face of hate and really manipulated into mm-hmm. this this gross thing that was so far removed from what the character was originally meant to be. And it's kind of just the author and creator of the character's attempt to to get him back, to see if there's any way that you can redeem a character like this after it's been taken over into such a dark context. And yeah, it's, it's very well done and um, really covers the history of the character, which is not something I ever thought I'd be interested in. The history of Pepe. But yeah, it's it's a very interesting story and a very um upsetting watch at times. Upsetting in the sense where it's just like seeing how shitty people can be on mm-hmm. the internet. But also seeing like that that hopefulness that resonates in his in his search to reclaim that character. I, I think it was really great. So yeah, that's my one of my other honorable mentions there. Nice. Um my other honorable mention is Onward. Uh, I sometimes forget that 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 this movie released this year, um, but I the reason I put onward on my honorable mentions is because I feel like I know you're going to talk about Soul. Are you going to talk about Soul? Um, I'm going to put Soul in my honorable mentions. Not really talk about it because I want to do okay. that on a separate episode. Yeah. yeah, we will talk about Soul on a separate episode. But I personally uh, liked Onward more than Soul. Um, Soul's great, don't get me wrong, but Onward, uh, there was something about the mythical family adventure, like smashing that crazy mythical sorcery with like the new world and then having this mythical adventure about family mm-hmm. is really cool to me. And I, I, I'm pretty sure the first time I watched this movie, I almost cried. Like yeah. it got me teary, teary eyed. Um, and plus the performances, uh, from both Chris Pratt and, um, Peter Parker, Tom Holland. <laughs> I couldn't remember his name for a reason, but I knew if I said Peter Parker, you'd know it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the performances from Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are really good. I love this movie. It's great. And I love the animation style of it as well. When the pandemic first hit, this was the last movie I saw in theaters mm-hmm. for like six months. Yeah. Or like four, I don't know. See, I kind of forgot that it existed in this year because so much stuff had happened. Yeah, like, exactly. It's so far, it's like a distant memory. And I remember when this movie first released, I was really upset because I thought it was fantastic and I loved it and mm-hmm. it did make me emotional. Um, and it's it's just a great Pixar movie. And I was like, this deserves more. This didn't deserve to get snubbed the way it did yeah. during this pandemic. And then they put it on Disney Plus and it was huge. Mm-hmm. So Onward is great. 
It's great. I'm very happy for it. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a long journey in my heart to to watch it fail and then watch it rise back yeah. up. But yeah, it's it's a great Pixar movie. I like Soul a bit more, but mm. Pixar does no wrong by me. Okay, my next one is Shit House by Cooper Rafe. I can't believe this is on like an honorable mentions as your in your favorite movies of 2020. Shit House. I have not seen it. But from the title, I won't be watching it. I'll be honest with you. Bad title. Great movie. Um, it's essentially... Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, right. It's not a good title because mm-hmm. it, it sends the wrong vibe. People hear a movie called Shithouse. They're like, oh, it's probably like American Pie or something. When I think of Shithouse, I think of an outhouse. I literally think That's of a too. toilet. Yeah. So <laughs> you are naming your movie Shithouse. It's... I'm going to guess that it's shit. Like... <laughs> it's, it's an intentional decision. Um essentially I think it's a, bad a guy and a girl go to a party mm-hmm. uh, at a frat house called shit house yeah and and that's really the only reason the movie's called shit house um it's not even a big role in the movie they just meet there but this is essentially like before sunrise in college mm-hmm. like it's a guy and a girl walking around campus and talking about life and talking about relationships and, and moving away from your family and uh you know struggling being away from your family during college and mm-hmm a relationship forming throughout this evening of just like talking about how much life sucks. Yeah. And, and there's, there's fun conversations. There's some sad conversations and, and it's really well done. Like Cooper Rafe is the director, writer and actor. And it's his first time doing all three. And, and it's just very well done. Um, I didn't go to college, but I feel like this movie is like the quintessential college movie for a lot of people. Mm. And that's what I've been seeing on Letterboxd is everyone's like, this movie is like the only movie that made me feel like I could relate to it, like relate to my college experience. Yeah. I just really like the the vibe here. I really like that before sunrise in college vibe. That's really all you need to know. Before mm-hmm. sunrise in college is like good, good to go. If you've seen before sunrise, people love that movie. I love that movie. I haven't seen it. Um, uh, my next movie uh, as an honorable mention is Palm Springs. I think this is one of your honorable mentions too. Same spot. Nice. Um, Palm Springs is a great movie of this year. It is such a fun little time loop movie that has no crazy consequences. Like, is the definition of a good time. Um, and I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I, I don't really have much anything bad to say about it other than, um, I really did not need so many, like, shots of Andy Samberg waking up in his underwear Fair. all the time. Also, this is such a tiny thing. But um, why does the female lead never change her clothes? Why is she I, always in pajamas? You told me about this. I, I didn't know. notice it until you told me about it. Re- if you've already seen the movie or if you haven't seen the movie, notice that, um, yes, they wear the same outfits all the time, but Andy Samberg's character changes in the morning. And uh, the female lead, I can't remember her, the actress's name. Christian Milotti. Christian Milotti. Um, she does not. She wears her pajamas all the time. So I'm just confused. Maybe she passed out in clothes the night before, and then she woke up in clothes. And so maybe she's actually in clothes, but it looks like pajamas to me. Anywho. We out here picking nits. It's a great movie. I loved it. (laughs) It's great. Um, And, yeah, if you just want a fun time loop movie, that is the one to watch. That or what is – this is going to sound really weird. What is that Disney Channel movie where they're all in Minutemen? Do you remember Minutemen? I don't remember Minutemen. Real quick, sidetrack. If you Wesley, remember Minute... let me talk about Palm Springs. I'm just joking. No, we have to I'm talk kidding. about Minutemen now. <laughs> uh, Minutemen was a Disney Channel movie 
about three kids who make a time machine or four. I mean, there's four of them. I don't know. Um, but whenever they travel through time, it's really cold, I think. So they have to wear these giant white uh, parkas. So it's a full white snowsuit. Um, and they just like jump back in time, back and forth in time, and like solve small problems around their school. The parkas save them from the quantum realm. Pretty much. And they just roll around in a golf cart and <laughs> save the world so, so is what you're saying is Minuteman your top number one of 2020 no it's my top number one of whatever year it came out in <laughs> sorry it Minute gives Man. you similar vibes yeah they also jump off a diving board into the time portal so it's pretty cool respect respect <laughs> anywho P- Palm Springs <laughs> Palm Springs released uh, at the perfect time I think mm-hmm. everybody was like I want new movies I'm bored I'm stuck on quarantine this shit sucks and then Palm Springs dropped out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And this was like the gem that the world didn't know they needed was like a movie about an infinite time loop, which we all kind of related to at that point. In our yeah. Lives. We're like, uh, what day is it again? Yeah. Monday for is the it yesterday. Is it okay? The day before yesterday. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think this movie's got really great, really likable performances from Sandberg, uh, Kristen Malati and JK Simmons, who, is really good in this movie. Yeah, he is good. I mean, he's not on not screen a big much, role. But. No, but he's he does what uh, great with the screen time he has. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think like you said, there's not a whole lot to say about this movie that hasn't been said by people in the last few months. But I I really respect it for how much it saved everyone made mm-hmm. quarantine when we were like new movies, please. It's great. Palm Springs was like one of my favorites for most of the year, and then as yeah. those other movies started to pop up, it lowered on the list. But it's definitely an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number two is Spontaneous by Great Brian movie. Duffield. We've we've talked about this um, in depth, so I, I won't linger on it long at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I really loved this movie. I had no expectations of it. I went into it like, oh, I like Catherine Langford. And, and it's like so good at blending genres. Like this movie, I don't feel comfortable calling it any genre it's like yeah it's a very i don't know what genre it fits in. it's like a drama and then it's like a dark comedy and then it's kind of a horror it's it's doing a lot but it does a lot very well and mm-hmm. i think many movies could could lose uh tr- goal like lose sight of what's important in a movie like this but it maintains that for the whole movie and it manages to still be funny in moments where it shouldn't and it just works really well i really like spontaneous and yeah it's just a great movie um, um go ahead yeah, as my last honorable mention, uh, it goes out to Host. Um, if you haven't seen Host yet, it's a horror movie that's uh, set in the quarantine world, and it's all filmed through Zoom. Um, they essentially have a little seance through Zoom, and some crazy stuff happens. Um, but I, the reason why I put it on as my honorable mention is because it is the perfect example of still filming with all of the challenges that 2020 has given us like they made an entire movie which i think is a really good movie it is yeah very good 45 minutes right it's 40 is it 75 it's a 45 minute movie 45 minute movie yeah the reason why is because in the free trial of zoom you only get 45 minute sessions and so it's this really quick 45 minute movie that ends on the zoom call ending pretty much um but there is so much to this movie um and it is just impressive on the kinds of things they did on the tools and tricks they used with zoom to make their movie even better um the realisticness of how uh together yet separated everyone feels and how we can totally understand that these days 
if you are looking for a uh, some inspiration in these times of quarantine um, and these times of Zoom online stuff, that is the movie I would recommend because I am just so impressed on how it creates a movie using computer screens and having none of the actors in the same room. Yeah. Like, amazing. And it's it's like, it's effective. Like, it's, it's a pretty scary movie. Coming, yeah, coming definitely. From, coming from somebody who's seen a lot of horror movies, and I'm pretty hard to scare now, like, there were some scares here that, that really worked for me, like, actually mm-hmm. got me. And, and it's just very impressive, like you said, about how this all came together when it did. Yeah. And... I, I love how horror is so often able to reflect the realities of, you know, crazy horror movie, but also time that we live in right now. Mm-hmm. Like that's been a thing for horror movies. It's like, oh, it's tying into politics and tying into whatever. And I really love the way that host ties into the world we live in right now. Yeah. There's a sense of relatability, even though they're being attacked by a demon during a seance on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sort of a sense of relatability to this movie. I yeah. would definitely put it as one of my honorable mentions. I didn't even think to uh, mm-hmm. until you had mentioned it. We, we got to talk uh, with Rob Savage, the director, briefly earlier this year, mm-hmm. and a couple of the other cast members as well, um, just via Instagram or whatever. Yeah. And it was, they're great. They were really nice, and it's a fantastic movie. So Yeah, so kudos to all the actors in this movie and um... – Rob Savage, amazing job. You guys did great. great. Rob, you completely deserve that Blumhouse deal. Mm-hmm. Whew, that's exciting. Yeah. And do you have a final honorable mention? My final honorable mention is Soul. Soul! By Pete Docter. This is a uh, Pixar movie that just released on Disney Plus like mm-hmm. two weeks ago. No, like a week Something ago. Something like that. Very recently. And I'm I'm not really going to talk about it because we had mentioned... Um, yeah, we want to do an episode, a full episode about it. Uh, in the future yeah. at some point. But mainly, all I have to say is that it's really great. It's Pixar. Not It's not the best Pixar movie, but it's Pixar at their best. Mm. Like, it's them doing what they're best at, which is telling really human, deep subject matter stories through animated movies, you yeah. know? And, yeah, there's a lot more we can say about it, and we will say that on our own episode, but Soul is great in my opinion you should check it out or read our review over on the instagram page as a slight teaser to the episode i don't feel the same way hayden does and i don't think soul was done as well as it could have been but oh no it is a good movie it is it is it's i like it a lot i have some issues but we'll get into them we'll get into those in an episode another Last one. I'm not even going to discuss it, but I was fighting a battle between Mangrove or Lover's Rock mm-hmm. by Steve McQueen, both part of the small axe. Mangrove is very close contender for Lover's Rock. I went with Lover's Rock because I felt a little bit more during that, but Mangrove is really great, and check that one out as well. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's all I got left. Yeah, that that is our comprehensive list of our movies of 2020. If you want to see... Uh, the rest of our lists, I still have to finish mine. Um, but Hayden has his entire, every single movie he's seen in 2020 ranked, or not ranked just yet. Is it pretty much ranked? Pretty much almost ranked? Yeah. Uh, on Letterboxd. So if you are really interested to see what the rest of Hayden's thoughts are, and like, it's probably very similar to mine, except with less movies. I got like 80 movies in there, ranked number one to 80. I will probably have like maybe 30 at the most. You watch way more movies than I do. It's insane. It's like two a day, three a day. It's fine. Three a day. I'm I'm lucky to watch three a week. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anywho, 
yeah, those are that's our thoughts on the top five movies of the year. Um, if you have any other opinions or things like that, and you're like, this one should have been in there, feel free to let us know. We're always interested to hear other people's opinions. There's also a couple we haven't gotten to see yet. Yeah, exactly. Which is a bummer, but we'll get around to them and maybe update our list. So mm-hmm. if you're curious, keep an eye on that on our letterbox. But yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Um, if you want to check out our other episodes where we talk about a lot of the movies we just talked about, but more in depth, um, you can find those all on Spotify, uh, Apple Music, or Google Podcast, or wherever the heck. The whole that podcast thing. All the podcast places. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at the Dive and Movie Cast, and you can also find our individual individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it is the same names on our letterbox. So yeah, as always, we are the Dive and Movie Cast, and we'll see you guys next time. And don't forget to have a happy new year. <laughs>